Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here, Dan Rubenstein, right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. Still the email address. Feel free to find us on Facebook, on Fancred, on Twitter. We'll get to all of your phone calls at 408Verbal1 momentarily when we go through your week 11 reverbs. But Mr. Rubenstein, Mm. you are shot out of a cannon today, sir. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I hope it lasts the entire episode. I'm on about three and a half hours of sleep. Um, But I've got some some rocket fuel coffee running through me right now. I am... um, I'm good. Yesterday was a fun day. I'm sure probably for some people and not for others. But um, as a mostly third party observer until the Oregon game, um, I enjoyed my time yesterday and I am ready to dissect with the professionalism and Mm, weirdness that only the solid verbal can bring to the table. By the way, rocket fuel coffee is putting it mildly because we always have a little chit chat, you know, a little icebreaker. Yeah, yeah. When we connect up here to do a show. Yeah. You are truly <laughs> on like eighth gear right now. You've never talked so quickly. Is that true? I don't know. Oh even... my God, you're shot out of a cannon. All right, good. I have a lot to say. We better get moving then before this expires. Yeah, let's move it along. Blue Bottle is is cursing through me, coursing through me like rocket fuel. Rocket fuel. Week 11 reverbs. Let's have a listen. Um, I'm an Iowa fan. May God have mercy on my soul. This is Big Smooth from Boston checking in. This is Dominic from Austin, Texas. This is Allie in New Orleans. This is Paul from uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, the Pac-12's favorite market. This is Carter from Dallas. Please explain to me what is happening. Through 27 minutes of play in the second half of the LSU-Alabama game, LSU has held Alabama to one first down. So why am I worried? This LSU-Alabama game is going to overtime. I can't help but notice that no team deserves to win this game right now. I just want to know why, LSU. Why do you do this to LSU fans? Auburn just really just couldn't hold on the ball, and you know what? That's the name of the game. As a good Aggie, can I just say, let's just stick with Kyle Allen. No, no nicknames this don't worry, sitters. When an angry bear is chasing you, you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just have to run faster than Bob Stoops. Which one of Baylor's road wins over top 25 teams is my favorite? I think I would equate tearing down a goalpost after an Iowa State victory to uh, winning uh, $5 off a $2 scratch-off. Did you know every single team in the country has lost three games since Florida State last lost? You guys don't have to talk about the Louisville Boston College game. That's okay. You just need to know two names. Devontae Parker. Jared Solomon. I just got done watching the Penn State game, and the announcer described the 20-punt, four-turnover effort as exciting. I just watched the Penn State-Indiana game. It definitely qualifies as cruel and unusual punishment. Well, if you like a lot of punts and no offense, that Penn State-Indiana game was perfect for you. The Penn State and Indiana game, these two teams richly deserve each other. Egad. After that early touchdown, it looks like Mel Gore can actually fly, and I want to take this opportunity to welcome our new Mel Gore overlords. Michigan squeaks by Northwestern. Motor City Bowl, here we come. And I would like to tell you about the 
they now have the longest home winning streak in the FCS. There are more turnovers with Notre Dame than you'll find in a freaking bakery. How did Tommy Reese get his eligibility back? Everett Golson is morphing into Tommy Reese right before our very eyes. The whole Everett Golson returning to uh, to Notre Dame from suspension has been uh, quite the Cinderella story. And now the clock has struck midnight. I'm pretty sure that Everett Golson's high school teammate had 5K on Arizona State against the spread. I left the bar after the seventh sack of Everett Golson. It was embarrassing. Ty, you should not have stopped reverse locking. The reverse jinx for Notre Dame was working so well. Why did he have to go and lock up Notre Dame straight up? Also, Ty, I was wondering, for any of us who wagered on Notre Dame as a result of your overconfidence. Is there any way we can get a refund on that? Ah, there you have it. I, yeah, 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 Dan. It was a week of mistakes across the board. Uh, I would say almost across the board. Almost across the board. Can we start? I know we usually start with the biggest possible games we can. Yeah. Can I have 16 seconds to just heap praise upon the Fordham Rams. Please. Oh, by that's, all means. That's something that everybody outside of some fraud bison fans can agree on. Fordham takes the Pat League OT on the road, and it's Lewisburg, not Lewistown. I screwed that up. Right. 30 to 27 in OT. Great game. It started late because of a grill fire, and that's so great. <laughs> <laughs> there was a fire that delayed the game that a solid verbal and a solid verbal audience only outside of that the greater northeast cares about love it go rams that was about the most solid verbal thing ever to be delayed by a grill fire and a hell of a grill fire it was by the way grill food fire and football i'm not sure if there's anything more appropriate than that trifecta all right so week 11 in terms of fbs action yes was one i thought decided by mistakes All right. We saw a bunch in the Notre Dame game. I'm not going to lead off with that because I don't think that was the biggest game of the weekend. Do you have a a word that begins with S that would describe the mistakes that we could form into like, you know, it was like separation Saturday, survival Saturday. Is there an S word that you feel like shit in the bed Saturday? Stupid. (laughs) Stupid Saturday. It was stupid. Yeah. A lot of mistakes here. Somebody changed the channel Saturday. We had so many voice messages come in. And I'm I'm disappointed, actually. I wanted to play the one. Someone had a sarcastic remake of the Notre Dame fight song. Like, <laughs> I hated listening to it, but what's good is good. Right. And the audio just got a little wonky. and I couldn't mm. I couldn't really play it on air. It wouldn't have sounded great. So That's if he true. wants to try back and, and sing it again, that'd be funny. But, you know, just a lot of people calling in, watching these games and feeling turmoiled. Rob in San Antonio. Very turmoiled watching LSU Alabama. Patrick from Auburn, a longtime caller of the mm-hmm. solid verbal. Classy, genuine, always heartfelt in his messages. Didn't have much to say. Didn't know what to say about what we saw from Auburn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had the Florida State people who still insist that we hate them, even though we don't. Mm, I don't know why Florida State people are so sensitive. They've won 25 straight games, a national championship. They've got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. They're going to make the playoffs. And if you say anything remotely true but unflattering, they jump down your jump down your throat. You forgot the smartest, most reasonable fan base 
perhaps in the world. Who's that? Florida State. Oh, you're talking about Florida State. <laughs> you said yeah, smart yeah, and reasonable, like, and I blacked out. Yeah, no, it happens. No, they America's team, America's fan base, Ty. There you go. Let's start with Texas A&M yeah. and Auburn. Mm. A&M pulls the upset on the road with a freshman quarterback, despite being like a 23-point road underdog. That was incredible. I didn't think it was going to get that high. It opened at a couple touchdowns and went to three, yeah. 41-38 to 38 was your final. We were texting back and forth about this game. We didn't go mm-hmm. public with it. Two questions. Yeah. A, was it the biggest upset of the year? And B, was this a true Clemsoning by Auburn? Um, It's right. It's really hard to flat out deny that it was a Clemsoning. Texas A&M certainly a higher profile team than a Clemsoning victor would typically be because of Texas A&M's early rank and attention and hype. But it's still an unranked Texas A&M team that had lost, what, three out of four? Yeah. All two very, very good teams, the Mississippi, the Mississippi schools in Alabama. But the way in which they lost to Alabama, the way their defense had been playing, the way they looked last week, the fact that it's a true freshman on the road. Um, I, I'd like to think of this game as Kevin Sumlin's annual or biannual. You remember, you know, the Grinch who stole Christmas, the cartoon version? Yep. When he's got that crazy, evil, like slowly growing smile. Right. That's Kevin Sumlin on the road with a, a freshman quarterback in the state of Alabama. Well, like, oh, yes, I'm inclined to say it was a Clemsoning. I I'm fine with that. I'm inclined to say it, even though you're right. A&M's a little more high profile, but mm-hmm. there were plenty of circumstances here. Even if Auburn didn't cover the point spread, they still should have won being at home. I don't know what got into them. True freshman Kyle Allen, though, had himself a game. He gets his first start on the road in Jordan Hare. Not an easy place to play. Right. Throws for 277 and four touchdowns in the victory. AM is starting to get really good play from some of these young guys. And it's going to take him a while to get there. But yeah. there's a ton of promise with Miles Garrett on defense. He blocked a kick in this game and mm-hmm. got a little nicked up a little yeah, later on. Up. But still, um, there's a lot of promise there. He's already broken Jadavian Clowney's. SEC freshman sack record. Mm-hmm. We will have to wait and see if AM's defense continues to improve. That that's yeah. sort of the next step, I think, for this program. I'd, I'd like to wait to see Auburn's defense improve too. Oh yeah, well they had their problems. Yeah, you got to be better than they give up forty-one against AM if you want to win. This is true. Um, what were so the big takeaways from this game? The butt snap at the end. It, it's crazy to think that Auburn lost on a really unusual, rare, out of nowhere play. I didn't. I was blown away when I saw the replay of that. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, the actual like big takeaways, aside from what you've already said, quite accurately, Kyle Allen going on the road, especially after looking pretty shaky in his first start, but to be expected. But going on the road to Auburn, as average as Auburn's defense is, still quite impressive, especially in the first half. Cameron Artis Payne is a man. He's 40, 50, and 60. Yeah. He is so good and so fun to watch. Uh, Nick Marshall had a very nice game, both through the air and on the ground. Ultimately, you know, wasn't the better, wasn't the captain of the better team, but um, Texas A&M, and this was something I was, I pointed out on Twitter, really nice to see them start running the ball because here's the reality. Brandon and Trey Williams and Trey Carson all averaged over five yards per carry. Auburn was slacking off the, the, the box, the front, whatever. And Texas A&M, for some reason, they've got all these quarterback guys, Jake Spavadol, Kevin Sumlin, whatever. They just want to throw it all the damn time and run the air raid. Great. 
but take advantage of the talents you have. And when they started doing that, you saw that the drives get longer. You saw Texas A&M really put their foot down. It was really good to see balance from A&M on the road, in the plains, whatever. Really nice win that throws the SEC into a bit more chaos. A bit more chaos. Or a is, bit less chaos, actually. A bit I don't less know. chaos is probably the more accurate way to phrase it. But still yeah. chaos. Nonetheless, if you didn't watch this game, the mistakes we reference, Auburn had two really bad fumbles down the stretch. One on yes, a bad exchange during a read option inside the red zone. Another at the very end of a game, it was the ill-advised butt snap as mm-hmm. Nick Marshall was changing a play or something. AM jumped on it, and that was that was the game. And I, I couldn't help but think as I'm watching this. This was the prototypical what goes around comes around game. Yeah, because Auburn went on the road earlier this year and squeaked one out against K-State primarily because of all the mistakes that K-State made. Now, this it kind of comes back around full circle and Auburn is the victim. They meet their own demise, losing by three at home against A&M. Just a, a wild, wild game. Yeah, now Mississippi State and Alabama, which I'm sure we'll get to, zero losses and one loss alone under two losses in the SEC West. Alabama 20, LSU 13 in overtime, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Bama survives the Baby Vipers. (laughs) I like calling them the Baby Vipers. That's fun for me. Baby Snakes. Baby Snakes. Did you wiggle your butt a little bit as you did that? Just a little bit, yeah. Good. So TJ Yeldon yeah. coughs Oof. this one up late in the fourth quarter inside the Bama 20. He gets hurt yeah. in the process, re-aggravates an injury. Mm-hmm. LSU falls on it, kicks a field goal, gives the ball back to Bama with 50 seconds left. Now, if you're like me, you're at home, you're watching the game, you're thinking, Bama scored 10 points all game long. Mm-hmm. I just know somehow they're going to score here. Like It's going to take until now, 50 seconds remaining in regulation. That's when they'll... Light the fire, somehow find a way to go down there and score points. Lo and behold, Blake Sims. Yeah. Two minute drill. Leads Bamba down the field. Field goal ties it up at 13. As expected, this game was super conservative. Yeah. Really conservative. Like 2011 conservative, right? Yeah, it was half a game. Just brutal to watch. And we had someone tweet us like, boy, wouldn't it be great to see a rematch of this in the playoff? No, I don't want to see this again. Do you? No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. This was high-level entertainment, medium-level adjustments, creativity, actual football offensive execution success. Um, Blake Sims and Anthony Jennings combined to be below average. It was not a game that forwarded the idea of the quarterback as something to worship. Um, But to Alabama's credit, the defense kept the offense in the game limiting LSU, who even though they weren't getting good quarterback play, they have three really good running backs. Alabama has a couple of their own. And nighttime, Death Valley, and Lane Kiffin for as bad of a game that Alabama's offense had, that final minute, those final 50 seconds with no timeouts, the stupid kick out of bounds from LSU gets Blake Sims in a position to succeed. They get out of bounds. They get down the field without the timeouts. They, they, the, the first play in overtime to the enormous tight end uh, was fantastic with, I want to say the left tackle split out wide on the other side. Yep. So creative enough. Uh, Alabama looked well-trained and well-prepared enough to win a close game on the road, which is a, a slight credit to Lane Kiffin in a sea of not so much credit. So, right. Alabama, you know, anytime you go on the road and beat a, a really dangerous baby viper defense, baby snake to defense, 
it's impressive, but these are not the SEC is not a conference. And I was talking to our buddy Bud Elliott about this. The SEC is not a conference full of good quarterbacks like it was last season. We knew that going in, too. We knew it going in. I think we expected more development, perhaps. Yeah. And Blake Sims, outside of this game and the the Arkansas game, has been very, very good. But this was if this is the height of SEC play, which you can consider it other outside of perhaps Auburn, Mississippi State right now, it is a it is a glaring indictment of the development of quarterbacks in the conference. Yeah, and LSU, by the way, might have won this game if it had gotten one less drop from Trey Quinn. Yeah, it was it was receivers all around. Trey Quinn didn't have a, Amari Cooper. Yeah, not a, he had a bunch of key drops, a lot of drops in this game. And if Quinn catches one of those two mm-hmm. big ones that he dropped on third down when he's yeah. at the line, literally, and just kind I don't of even looks think he away. had a catch. Yeah, I mean, just a, a bad game for him. He was put in that situation to catch the ball, and both were thrown well enough that he could have and should have, but didn't. Yeah. Anthony Jennings on the day, eight of twenty-six passing, just seventy-six yards. Oh, and if he had run forward on that that late pick or the late incompletion in overtime, oh, just take the yards. I thought this game, though, as a whole, went exactly the way LSU wanted it to go. Definitely, they were Definitely. okay with Jennings being eight of twenty-six. It didn't matter; they were there nope. to run the football, and that's what they did. Yep. Uh, it just didn't work out for them because, well, they had some of their own mistakes down the stretch. Bama now in the top four of the playoff, you would assume. They've got Mississippi State next week in Tuscaloosa, Dan. I saw game day is going to be there. Do you have an early lean on that game? I would assume Alabama just because they're, they're two teams that have looked mostly excellent who have struggled with teams that they po- they shouldn't have. I mean, Alabama with Arkansas, just in terms of talent disparity, it's always tough to go on the road in the SEC and run away from a team. And uh, Mississippi State from both Arkansas and Kentucky. Granted, these are teams that aren't bad. They are, they're decent to pretty good teams. But at this point, with the talent disparity and, what, and the, the level of success that they've had, um, I would imagine Alabama is in a better place at home to win a close game. So I'm going to say that game is close-ish, but the uh, the Alabama having been there, coaching staff, a lot of their players factor gives Alabama a five to six point advantage. Wow. Okay. I think I'm, I'm, think I'm favoring Mississippi State, but I haven't put in the research on it yet. Yeah. So I'll get back to you on Wednesday yeah. uh, on that one. Two other very quick notes before we jump around a little bit more. Lane Kiffin <laughs> got closed at fit. Oh, the Emperor's yeah. got some new clothes, so good for yeah. him. There was also a weird part of this game where LSU's Logan Stokes decided it'd be a good idea to pants Reggie Ragland. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, good old-fashioned pantsing. Elsewhere in the SEC, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they all win big. Surely the Mississippi schools played somebody interesting that we can break down into November. Tennessee Martin and I believe Presbyterian for Ole Miss. Always a bad sign when your school has the name of an uncool sounding person in its name. Troy, Monroe, Martin. Let's move to the Big Ten. Oh my God. Can you imagine doing that this early in the show? This is the first time ever. Yeah, feels right. Ohio State 49, Michigan State 37. This game was marred with controversy, Dan. Marred with it. It, uh, I guess. Ohio State football players couldn't figure out how to work their sleep number beds the night before. I was going to figure out, I was like, marred with controversy. Like, Ohio State couldn't figure out how to not score touchdowns. Where do you stand on the sleep number bed? 
I don't know if I've ever slept in a sleep number bed. I've slept in like very, very nice hotel beds, but I don't know if I've ever adjusted softness and comfort levels. My problem, if I went to a hotel with a sleep number bed, yeah, would be that I'd be too curious to try all the different settings to the right. point where I'd never give myself a chance to fall asleep. Right. You would treat it as a Costco sample night. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Do you, are you a, a hard mattress, a soft mattress, hard pillow, soft pillow? And how does that relate to your fiance? Um, fiance is into like the memory foam bed and you yourself. I can't get into it. All right. Well, you're going to have to figure that out. I don't like a stiff as a board mattress, but I, I like a firmness to my mattress. Sure. You like it hard. That's right. All right. Ohio State, Michigan State. So I went back. I rechecked the notes here. Though I picked Michigan State to win and, and barely cover. Right. As did I. I did have a parenthetical on my crib sheet. I wasn't confident in this game more than any other. This game to me felt like I might be making the wrong selection. Why, why were you questioning the, the Spartans going in? I wasn't so much questioning the Spartans as I was really liking Ohio State. And the only reason that I moved from that position was because I got spooked watching the Penn State game. Definitely. And, and I don't think that's an unreasonable perspective. But Ohio State came into this game and they made a statement. Yeah. There is no other way to phrase it. A statement. I was more impressed by the Buckeyes than any other team on Saturday. And especially with JT Barrett, what he did, mm-hmm. it's going to be super hard to bench him next year in favor of Braxton Miller because he is getting better in this game. 300 yards passing, another 86 rushing, five total touchdowns. All in all, he leads the offense to 568 total yards on the road in East Lansing, mm-hmm. 10 of 14 on third downs. This was a premier showing from a guy who has continually gotten better in Columbus. How do you bench him next year in favor of Miller? That's a hard move to make. I don't know what you do. And I don't know if Braxton Miller will graduate. I made sort of a, a mostly joke about Braxton Miller graduating, being eligible right away to transfer and go somewhere that would need a quarterback. And yeah, Oregon is uh, almost assuredly losing a Heisman candidate. There you and, go. Um, Oregon people were like, Ooh, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Like it's not going to happen, but I would imagine that there is going to be a legitimate battle. And I fear, I fear as somebody who enjoys watching college football, that we're going to get a two quarterback system in, yeah. in Columbus. It'll be like urban Meyer in the spring. was like, they're dead. Even we've got, got, got two great quarterbacks. It's a great problem to have. I fit. If the, the season started today, both would see snaps like, ah, oh, damn it. Urbis. Damn it. That's also the line of thinking. That eventually leads a coach to decide to start splitting a quarterback out wide. Yeah. Which is never really a winning strategy. No. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to play that one because JT Barrett has really improved this season. He had a rough stretch there against Virginia Tech, of course, but it did not show last night. Ohio State just lays the lumber to Michigan State. Yeah. They now have a marquee win. The Buckeyes do. How much do you dock them? for that loss to Virginia Tech earlier earlier in the season? Because it might be the worst singular loss of any one-loss team that's still hypothetically in the running for this playoff. Right. Do you dock them? Where do you rank them now in your top 10? You have, you have to dock them for it because it is a bad loss, even though the context of it's still, that, at that point, it was still a young offensive line coming together and learning the calls. Still, JT Barrett really 
green in this system and has gotten much better with the reps and with his development against a a nice schedule to develop against and sort of gain confidence against. Yep. Um, I still dock them because Virginia Tech has not shown themselves to be a consistently decent team. And we can only go with what we see. And Virginia Tech completely overwhelmed that offense. That is playing the same players. And we can we can only for so long say, well, it was a little it was a different Ohio State. No, well, it's the same season. And you you, you gotta say, you gotta put things in the vacuum that we're in. And it's a, it's a below average loss, but you know what? On that same note, the Penn state win looks better and better. If we're going to talk about their resume going to Penn state, Penn state's defense, isn't just very good. It is great. And that is incredible to me. And so I'm, I'm willing to forgive that the, the less impressive aspects of that win more than I am the less impressive aspects of the loss. Okay. If that makes any sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. And Michigan State, by the way, didn't quite get blowed out in this game. You might look at the uh, score and say, well, 49-37. I mean, this was a close game until about midway through the third quarter, at which point Ohio State started to pull away. Yeah, I think that's indicative of being outplayed. Well, they were <laughs> like outplayed. Completely. I'm not saying they weren't outplayed, but this was a close game until that point. And then Ohio yeah. State just found something, got a few scores, ended up going like up 18 at the start of the fourth quarter. And that was pretty much all she wrote. Yeah. Michigan state needed a couple of late touchdowns to, to close it to what it was. Um, if Ohio state only has a limited number of opportunities to make a statement and I might not even use opportunities, plural, this was their super bowl. This was their game. Yeah. They it was a statement. win. there was a leave, no doubt win. Ohio state goes on the road and beats a top 10 team. So even though it was close for two and a half quarters, there was zero doubt who the better team was. No, no doubt at all. They looked really, oh, well, they really played solid. A perfect game, by the way. They threw the ball. They ran the ball outside of Dontre Wilson's fumbles. Um, they they ran away with this game late, despite losing the turnover battle, despite Jeremy Langford having a really good game. Ohio State, if you look at their drive chart, did you look at their drive chart? I did. I'm looking at it now. Actually. I mean, I watched <laughs> I watched the game on mute in like a picture in picture situation while watching the other games because there were a ton on. Ohio State's drive chart, if you were only half watching this game and not paying attention, after the missed field goal, just to begin the game, touchdown punt, touchdown, 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 punt. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. They were great. They were really good. Really Playing good like in this game. like a top game. 10 team, can't imagine they're not getting into the playoff without a lot of help. They're going to need some help, but this was a nice win. Yeah. This was absolutely a nice win. That Virginia Tech God, JT Barrett was good. Is going to win pretty gracious. large. He was very yeah. good. He was very good. It's a tough decision next year. Tough decision. All right. Mm -hmm. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, Minnesota and Wisconsin both win comfortably. How about a little love for our boy? Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, 25 rushes, 205 yards. Had another three receptions for 44 yards and a score as Wisconsin wins 34 to 16 Penn State and Michigan both win but very very oh. ugly so ugly that the wins almost feel like losses win losses as yeah. we are want to say here on the show Penn State beat Indiana 13 to 7 Michigan beat Northwestern 10 to 9 I saw a lot of folks tweeting not to watch the Michigan Northwestern no, game don't. so I didn't did you um 
I saw the, my only actual exposure to this game. I, I watched a little bit online because we were watching other games and I flipped it for the two point conversion failure at the end of the game. Yeah. Very glad I didn't watch what a anything. mess of a game. Yeah. And should be noted with the Big Ten as well. Minnesota. I mean, you mentioned the Minnesota, Iowa thing. Good for Minnesota. How do you not like Minnesota? Not Tough you to not specifically. Like him. Tough and to not like him. Melvin Gordon's the single best player in college football with the ball in his hands in the open field or slightly creased open field. He's good. Electric is almost an insult to how good he is. Let's go to the Big 12. Let's talk about Baylor and let's talk about TCU. So both these teams get statement wins. Baylor on the road against Oklahoma. Oklahoma was up 14 to three after one quarter. Mm hmm. And then gave up 45 unanswered. And then to make matters worse, Trevor Knight got carted off in the fourth quarter. It seems like yeah. he's going to be all right, but hopefully, yes. Um, you know, I don't know what you point to if you're an Oklahoma fan. Was it Sterling Shepard not playing? Was it just Baylor coming in and blowing the doors off the game plan? Uh, Bryce Petty had a really nice game here. I know at points throughout the season, we've said, ah, it doesn't look right. Maybe he's not healthy. 32 of 48. Two for 387 and a score in this game. He was really, really crisp. Uh, Baylor just outplayed Oklahoma, Dan. Yeah. Oklahoma was not ready for this onslaught that the Bears brought to town. Our Browns got a win on the road against a ranked team. Yeah. Celebrate. Um, you know what I'm going to point to in this game? I'm going to point to Baylor being much, much better at college football than Oklahoma. That's it's the simplest possible explanation. And it is the correct explanation. Oklahoma looked out of sorts, couldn't run the ball. Alex Ross had the big run, but outside of that, they couldn't move the ball at all against Baylor after the the first quarter. Bryce Petty looked good, even without a great game on the ground. Um, Corey Coleman, I want to do an impression. I know my impressions are huge hits yep. uh, in the solid verbalosphere. Here's my impression of Corey Coleman uh, against the Oklahoma secondary, a secondary that failed a lot of the time, not just against him, but Baylor as a whole and the season as a whole. Here's my impression of Corey Coleman. Um, that's it. That's, that's what's, that's, that's literally everything you're going to do. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, goes for over 200 yards is pretty yeah, much unstoppable. Yeah, good game. Not a big dude, fast dude, unstoppable dude. Um, and he is one of seven different receivers that you can describe that as in any given week with Baylor. So Baylor, again, they, they've, we answered this question on our Q and a not in the thick of conversations because of their lack of interesting games in the first half of the season. They sit at eight and one, they still have Kansas state left on the schedule. And I'm sure we're going to get into their game yep. in a moment here, but big 12 teams at the top TCU and, and Baylor have now separated themselves. They have a November problem because they're not playing that many big games. And they don't have a conference championship game. And even though the, the selection committee is looking at resumes as a whole, this is going to be a very underwhelming entertainment November for the Big 12, which is strange to say because we're used to so many huge matchups and backloaded schedules. And now we're just say, well, yeah, I guess uh, Baylor has Texas Tech. I guess they have Oklahoma State. Cool. Well, Baylor's got K-State, as you mentioned, on yeah, December 6th. That's what everything comes down to because if Baylor wins that game and if they don't lose to anyone else in the Big 12, Baylor will win mm -hmm. the Big 12. Now, you want to overlay that with what happened with TCU K-State. Another yeah. statement win for TCU. This result surprised me, not so much because TCU won, but I think because of something you said on the Wednesday show, and I thought it was so right, how both of these teams are so well coached. 
that in that situation, you don't usually see a blowout. You don't usually see a game like this. And the Horned Frogs just took it to them, man. Took it to them. This game wasn't even close. It really was outside of the Tyler Lockett long touchdown early. Yeah, it was. It was over. TCU didn't have their best perhaps offensive player outside of Trevon Boykin. I mean, I really like listen being gray, but uh, BJ Catalan out for this game and didn't matter. Aaron green was fantastic. The Nebraska transfer Boykin was great on the ground TCU. And, the, and here, I guess here was the point about the, the two great coaches and the two great staffs getting really good, consistent, disciplined play from their teams. If both teams are playing relatively mistake free, TCU is so much more talented. It has so much more speed. I like the duo of Sexton and Lockett for Kansas state, but up and down TCU is just so good and so deep. Now it's so many positions and so good at developing dudes where they basically from the opening kick dined on Kansas state jugular. I, it was TCU is a scary ass team when they're on. And um, I hope we get to see that against similarly talented and leveled teams. I've been really impressed with TCU and yeah. I've been waiting for like this collapse to come and it dawned on me while watching the first half of this game that it just wasn't going to happen. Mm-mm. Trevon Boykin at this point is a legitimate Heisman story. He has been unflappable. Yeah. So far this season. I remember again coming into the year quarterback at TCU. Matt Jokel. Huge question mark. <laughs> yeah. Huge question mark. Can Trevon Boykin adapt can he play in this air raid system there was talk of him murmurs whispers like maybe he's he's a receiver he did not miss a beat in this game no and it was against a good defense 219 through the air 123 and three touchdowns on the ground he's been really good and tcu i think is now through the thick of its schedule they are that's well that tcu has that same problem the november problem yep which sounds like a great emo album i was gonna say i mean we had the early november yeah we have november rain but if we ever release an acoustic emo duo EP, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind calling it the November problem. The November problem? Here's the name of our duo. Yeah. Baby Snakes. Base. <laughs> Baby Snakes, the November problem EP. There it is. Ah, oh, I'd buy it. Elsewhere in the Big 12, TCU and Baylor were not the only teams. From the great state of Texas getting wins. No. Do go on. The Texas Longhorns, a 17-point victor over West Virginia. Are they new to the Big 12? Are they some sort of expansion squad? For me, this game was only slightly more confusing than Interstellar. (laughs) I haven't seen it yet. Now in theater, starring fellow Texan Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Maybe West Virginia was flat. After oh, I, it was a definite letdown spot after TCU. I, I don't know. Um, Going kind of across the country. Yeah. You know, we've been saying it all year that Texas has a decent defense and quietly improving. The Longhorns have quietly improved. They have like their yeah. down moments, but yeah, they're, they're getting better. You're right. But it just seemed like West Virginia was out of rhythm. I don't know if they were flat. I don't know if it was the defense, but just three of 17 on third downs and Texas ran the ball. Pretty effectively. One of the shows that you did with Ryan Nanny, you guys talked about Florida and you talked about Texas and you said, Mm -hmm. well, we're not real excited about either team, but we know that both for the most part can play decent defense Mm -hmm. and for the most part, both can run the ball. 
in this one, Texas, for the most part, did run the ball to the tune mm-hmm. of 39 rushes for 227 yards. Right. Still can't really pass, but who's counting? This was a nice win for Charlie Strong. You know, I, no one saw this coming. Did you? Would you have ever predicted this in a million years? Um, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's not like Texas is not talented and not able and doesn't have a good coaching staff. I just figured this year was going to be like, let's figure out what we have in this team. Let's kick a bunch of players off who don't fit what we want to do and are not a good fit in general, a, a culture fit, and go from there and start recruiting and build something. The fact that they are getting success and getting this out of players is encouraging. John Harris, a name we really didn't hear before this season a ton, he is solid. He is really good. And one of those guys, you're like, I wonder what you could do on a good team on a big stage. He deserves that attention. So, yeah, Texas has a couple of those guys. Quandre Diggs in his what feels like his 17th year. In, he's still playing. He's still playing. Good Lord. He's like John Stocko. Had a, had a pick against West Virginia. And um, Texas will slowly but surely become a big 12 player in the next year, year and a half. It's going to happen. I think so. Yeah, I do agree. All right. Elsewhere in the Big 12. Put your hands together. Oh, yeah. For the Kansas Jayhawks Aww, beating yeah. a two win Iowa State team and then proceeding to tear down the goalposts. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Screw it. I love it. Rock chalk. Don't act like you've been there before. Who cares? They tore him down after beating a two win Iowa State team. Yeah, I imagine it was a great day for all programs that are recently affiliated with Charlie Weiss. Life is only what you make it, Dan. Yes. Good for Kansas. It's only what you make it. And if this was their chance to have some fun in Lawrence, then who the hell are we to tell them otherwise? Screw it. I still like the tearing down of the goalposts. It doesn't bother me. What bothers me is when a team does it a lot. Like when you do it, when you do it in a bunch of like really bad situations where you shouldn't tear the goalpost down, it happens like... More than one time per year. That to me is overkill. Well, it's also an administrative inconvenience. Oh, well, it kills the turf. <laughs> it kills the turf. You got to keep buying goalposts. But um, this is a fun story. Good for Kansas. Yeah. Good for Kansas. Good for the get up kids. Who I believe are from Lawrence, Kansas. Should we get to the Pac-12 games? Uh, <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> um, Yeah. I like that you're calling them the Pac-12 games. Let's go with Oregon first. Okay. 51-27, Oregon wins on the road. This game was close for a little bit. Yeah. And Utah tried to make a bit of a push in the second half. Mm-hmm. It was glaringly obvious to me that that was not going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. We yeah. knew when we did our preview that Utah probably couldn't score with Oregon for a full 60 minutes. And in this case, they they didn't. They couldn't. They made some of their own mistakes. The mm-hmm. most notable of which was earlier in the game when Kalen Clay had a sweet Deshaun Jackson moment and dropped the ball before crossing the goal line. Did you like that one? Uh, I did like that one as an Oregon fan. I didn't like that as a football fan because that sucks. That's, you know, that that's that that's a touchdown that you do make that mental error. And but I liked it as an Oregon fan. Um it was a game for Oregon that could prove to be pretty costly. I don't know the status of the injuries of both Pharaoh Brown starting tight end and Hronis Grasso starting center. But if ever there were a team that couldn't afford more injuries on offense up front, probably Oregon. Mm. Uh, outside of that, Royce Freeman is ridiculous. I saw you tweeted out something about him being a bowling ball with eyes. He, that's what I have here. He's, he's maniacally good. He is a bowling ball with eyes, Dan. 
Yeah, that's a that's a totally fair way of pointing that out. I said he looked like a sprinting Impala, like the Chevy. I, I've watched plenty of Oregon games this year, and yeah. I like Royce Freeman. You tipped me off to Royce Freeman very early mm-hmm. on in the game. So I've been watching. Starting as a true freshman. Specifically for him, I've been watching. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like the super duper low angle camera shot. Oh, yeah, it is lower. And you, than, like the weird EA sports camera camera angle that they had right. going on. I don't know what it was, but he just looked bigger and stronger last night than I had remembered previously. Oh, definitely the angle helps. Wow. He's going to be in the NFL someday if things don't go wrong. Oh, it'll be sooner rather than later. Yeah. And it really is the first running back they've had that's been built like that since Jonathan Stewart. He's good. And he's really good. He's quite good out of the backfield. He's really good in pass protection, which is why he started so early. And um, no, he's he's certainly a complete back and at like 18 years old and six feet tall and 230 pounds. That's pretty scary. Mariota, although not a fantastic game through the air, good, didn't make mistakes through the air, had a, a costly fumble at a certain point. But once they got their offense rolling, he looked quite, quite good. Um, and the defense buckled down and Utah started Kendall Thompson, who was out pretty early in this game after starting really quickly. They're more uh, dual threat guy who basically willed them to a win against UCLA. They figured that was a better tact against this Oregon defense that struggled to tackle in the open field at times. But ultimately, Oregon, too talented, can win in too many different ways. And it was one of those games where it seemed close. Then I would like look down at my computer to answer an email or answer a text and look. I was like, how did Oregon just score 17 points in the time yeah. it took for me to respond to that email? Well, that's usually Oregon's MO. It's yeah, usually it a is. lot of quick points. And that's why you need to kind of control the pace of the game. You can't let things yeah. get out of hand because once they start rolling downhill before you know it, the game's over. And that's essentially what happened here. You're right. I yeah. mean, in the third quarter, Utah was making a push here. They were. They got it to a touchdown. I didn't honestly think that they were going to pull off the upset, mind you. Right. But they were they were close. They they thought they believed they could do it. It was a seven point. Oregon had 27 points. They're up 27, 20 going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. One one possession game. They end up scoring 24 points in the fourth quarter and allowing seven. And that's just the waves of Oregon will destroy. And you know what? This is the game. And going in. I got, I didn't get nervous, but I got the feeling that it had the potential. And I know people don't like how I pronounce potential, whatever potential to, um, to be similar to that Arizona game from last year, going on the road to a difficult ish place to play against a good, but not great team, uh, being beat up and getting down early and sort of just packing it in Oregon, instead of stepping on the break while in neutral and screwing up the transmission. They just gassed it and it was great. They were very, very solid in this yep. game. Very, very solid down the stretch in this game. Was really impressed with Marcus Mariota. Felt a lot like he was running for his life. I know they've got problems. Oh my God. And Utah's defensive line's so good. They've yes. got problems along that offensive line and it wasn't great against Utah, but um, you know, he he looked really sharp in this game when he had to. More importantly though, Mm. Utah's 27 points means that somebody, yeah, somebody whose name, let's say, rhymes with uh, Jan Zubinstein, yeah, owes yours truly a breakfast with a mimosa. Couldn't be more thrilled. I can't you know believe they scored more than 21 points. You know why that is the case that I'm thrilled? Because I get to eat breakfast with you. Oh, Dan. Yeah. I got a great Mexican breakfast place in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, elsewhere in the Pac-12, UCLA, Arizona, and Wazoo all win. UCLA impressively. Impressively, sure. 
against Washington. Yeah. Um, there is one other Pac-12 team that was in action. And we're going to do this. Picks, we're going to do this right now. Picks, Arizona State. Picks, 50, shut up. Any picks. <laughs> Arizona State 55, Notre Dame 31. You heard a lot yeah. of action around this game uh, on the reverb line. Mm-hmm. This game was 34 to 3 at one point in the first half. Definitely was. Notre Dame scored a late touchdown at the end of the first half. They made it 34 10. And they ripped off 21 more unanswered. They made it. 34 31 with about six and a half left in the game at which point the ball pops out of Corey Robinson's hands after a reception goes right into the waiting arms of an ASU defender. He returns it for ASU's second pick six of the game. Ultimately ASU wins this one going away by a pretty sizable 24 point margin here. The story though. Now, first and foremost, Mm. I don't want to dive into the Notre Dame turnover thing. We're going to get there. I do want to give credit to Arizona State because okay. Arizona State, we've got a lot of people who listen to this show and they're ASU fans and they say, well, you know, you you, you crapped all over us last week. I did. And okay. I still feel inclined to do so because I'm still not really sold on this team. <laughs> However, what? ASU did what good teams do. Yeah, they scored points off turnovers. They got plenty of opportunities with a short field. They took advantage 28 points to be exact off the turnovers. Mm-hmm. They seem to go in a bit of a shell with the lead in the yeah. second half. However, when they needed to come up big, they were able to do just that. This was a solid effort by Arizona state. I don't think anyone out there could watch this game and ask for a whole lot more. They were very efficient. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot like Notre Dame did. And that is ultimately why they ended up winning. I'm not sure you gave them quite enough credit. Probably not. I think I know Taylor Kelly had a nice day. He had an efficient day. And I know we're going to get into mistakes at the quarterback position, but he made many fewer mistakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, DJ Foster, for the most part, ran all over. This is a beat up Arizona State offensive line, ran over the front of Notre Dame. Granted, yes, Notre Dame did look very good in scoring the 21 unanswered. It was a third quarter, third into the fourth a little bit, right? Yeah. When that occurred. Yep. Um, Balls don't tip themselves. Guys don't, you know, read eyes accidentally. I think Arizona State's defense did a very good job for a good portion of this game against Notre Dame. Uh, A good Notre Dame team. A Notre Dame team we didn't know a ton about in terms of quality winning tendencies. But Arizona State... As you said, and I don't think I could put it better, they took advantage of mistakes, which is what really good teams do. And the fact that their defensive line and blitzing schemes for, I would say, the majority of the game overwhelmed Notre Dame's offensive line, which hasn't been super consistent this season, is another sign of Arizona State, perhaps not receiving the credit due to them. But ultimately, this was not just a story about Arizona State winning the game. It was not. Notre Dame did its part to try and lose the game. Now, I'm not going to say that Notre Dame just gave the game to ASU because as as you pointed out, these things don't create themselves. ASU tipped many more balls that weren't intercepted. They did a great job pressuring Everett Golson, even when he was completing passes, in some cases, forcing inaccurate passes from Everett Golson. This Mm -hmm. was a defense that came to play. Closed out the game quite strongly. The defense for Arizona State. Did they? After at 34 31, how did Arizona State's defense do up three late? Well, they would have given up a first down 
to Corey Robinson had he not given the ball up to the Arizona State defender. And at that point, the game was over. Jalen Strong caught passes thrown to him. Notre Dame receivers didn't always do the same. I'm not going to go so far as to say that they finished strong on defense. I, I don't believe that. The whole second half ASU was a tire fire on defense. Let's talk about Notre Dame. Yeah. Five turnovers here. Mm-hmm. Two picks. Uh, four picks, excuse me. Two of which went for touchdowns. One other fumble in there. As I mentioned, 28 points off turnovers. Everett Golson seemed a bit overwhelmed by the rush. Certainly, there was that period of time in the first quarter where Notre Dame turned the ball over three times in four possessions. You know, he looked good from like that point on, but you put your team in a hole like that against a good team, a solid team, whatever you want to call it, team like Arizona State. Right. And and this is what happens. Would Notre Dame have won without all those turnovers? You know, that's the question that I kept thinking of the one that kept me awake last night. There's no way we can project forward into an alternate reality and say, yes, they would have. So you're saying would Notre Dame have won if they were a better team than they are? If they hadn't turned the ball over, Dan. Yeah. Better teams don't turn the ball over. They don't. No, no, no. But I'm not going to take away this feeling that uh, Arizona State is some juggernaut. I feel like if Notre Dame had executed, which they didn't, they did not execute. They did not deserve that game. But if the turnovers weren't there, I kept asking myself when Notre Dame had won that game. I feel like they're still a good enough team to beat Arizona State, but they did not execute. They did not execute. And that's what Brian Kelly said in his postgame presser. That's what everyone's written about today. If you execute in a game like this, Notre Dame obviously puts itself in a much different situation, could have won the football game. But as it were, they didn't do that. ASU took advantage. That's why they lost. Yeah. If LSU had executed, they would have beaten Bama. If Utah would have executed, they would have beaten Oregon. If Washington would have executed, they would have beaten UCLA. Did a name pop into your head that rhymes with Tommy Reese yesterday? <laughs> Give away Golson. Uh, Tommy Reese led Notre Dame last year to a total of 17 lost turnovers. I think it was good for some, it was top 20 in the country. Didn't give it away. Doesn't do much. Doesn't add a ton to the table. Everett Golson led Notre Dame through however many games already has 19. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the it's one of those things where and going into this game, you would hear from Notre Dame fans. And I, I apologize for being vague about it, but I saw it in a number of places like, why isn't Everett Golson getting more Heisman love? It's Everett Golson as a Heisman contender is like saying, you know, except when it's covered in blood and hair and human parts, that's the best frittata in St. Louis. <laughs> like, what? no. You can't turn the ball over. And that's why people make a big deal out of quarterbacks who don't turn the ball over. He's had a rough go of it the last couple of games. There, yeah, he's immensely talented. There's no denying it. There, there's no denying it. Immensely talented. But if you throw 10 touchdown passes, you can't throw six picks. That doesn't work. I know people wanted to make a lot of Brian Kelly's postgame press conference. Right. Um, I watched the whole thing twice. Mm-hmm. It was a frustrated man. Yeah. It was a frustrated man. You know, you can dissect his comments. Clearly, they are trying to make Everett Golson thriftier with the football. And yeah. whatever they're doing, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the heat of battle causing him to make bad decisions. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a, an X's and O's guy. I'm not a, a scheme guy. I don't know what is causing it. But for whatever reason, 
this continues to plague him and it has all season long. Yeah. I'm not going to go and say that if he had four turnovers, Notre Dame wouldn't be in exactly the same situation. Cause again, who knows what happens in an alternate reality. But I do know that that this is a couple years now that Notre Dame's had to deal with this turnover bug. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if it's Kelly. I don't know if it's the players themselves. I don't know what is causing it, but something is, and it is driving me freaking nuts. Yeah. It is driving me nuts that every year it's the same narrative. These are good players. These are not bad players. And Notre sure. Dame, Notre Dame, Dan, is going to have another opportunity at all of this next season. It's not going to happen this year, but right. everybody comes back in, in 2015. Everybody. They've got a real shot at this thing next year. If the same thing happens next year, I'm switching over to Fordham full time. Boom. You know, I'll, I will say this, Ty, because this is how I have to spend the majority of my days because Oregon typically doesn't kick off until like 8 a.m. Shanghai time. Um, rooting for awesome and crazy things to happen throughout the day is is almost, if not more fun than rooting for a team. At I, this point. I, yeah, I would agree with that. And that's the point I'm at, too. You know, and by the way, let me address something. I'm getting feisty here. I love it. Sweating. I love feisty tie. The reverse jinx was over after the Florida State <laughs> game. All right. Okay. It was over. Done. I said it on the show. And then I get all these calls. I get all these tweets. Well, it's your fault. You didn't. It's your fault for locking up Notre Dame for being overconfident. And even though I know it's not my fault, I started wondering, is this my fault? Mm. Did I do this? It's dark. Did, Did I you do think- this? When you saw the long shot of the stadium, like the the blimp shot that the helicopter shot, did you think, hey, Dan and I ran around there? I mentioned that to Mama Hildebrand. Good, good. I'm glad. We ran so like five were, miles in Tempe. Yeah, and I, I just was, wanted to make sure you took something positive away from I that. was severely out of shape. Yeah, that was a good run. Notre Dame better get this figured out. I, I feel like I have to take kind of the blame for Notre Dame's game. Yeah, you're, whatever you got going on far I just, exceeds anything I got going on in terms of jinxes. Yeah, it's just tight this year. The altar of Dan. Just I'm I'm something like 70% wrong. I'm the surest thing. And it's just my reminder. I'm a mountain tie, just like the mountain outside of Sun Devil Stadium. Can we can we put this to the test next What's week? That? Can we put this to the test next week? Can you Please. lock up some team that we want to lose in order to make things more chaotic. I don't take requests, Ty. I have to search deep into my soul. That's how it works. Because we're at the point now where this is a legitimate like science experiment. Yeah. You should bet against me only if you like money. I want to see what happens if we like lock up Mississippi State next week. Right. Or if you lock right. them up. Doesn't matter what I do. We'll see what happens. Anyway. Arizona State wins 55-31. It was yeah. a frustrating game. Brian Kelly is frustrated. Fans were frustrated. Mama H was frustrated. We sat How did she deal with it? We don't deal well with these games, Dan. <laughs> well, it sounds like the two of you had a nice morning this morning, at least. We had a, yeah, we had a nice morning listening to Taylor Swift's 1989. That's great. Last night, not so much. Last night was we were just completely sapped after yeah. watching this game. Right. And... You know, I don't know. You see, so you've seen much more of me in that state than I've seen of you in that state. The only time I've ever seen you in like the heat of a game 
was at the national championship. I was going to say, yeah. Between Oregon and Auburn, at which point you were basically catatonic. Yeah, it was the range of emotions felt. You were catatonic, and I kind of had to lead you down onto the field. That was like the only time we had press credentials. Yeah, they come back. Speak for yourself, Ty. Well. Speak for yourself. No one takes a podcast seriously. That's true. All right. um, What else we got? Oh, the ACC. Did they play? Uh, allegedly. Yeah. Virginia hung with, uh, with Florida state for a little bit, Florida state, the better team, obviously. I don't know how much Clemson looked really disappointing for a lot of Thursday night. I tweeted out something like, Hey, here's how Florida state's resume is looking this week with Clemson struggling with wake and Notre Dame looking like they did against uh, Arizona state. Felt good about that. Florida state, Clemson, Louisville, Duke, George tech. They all win. They're all the favorites in their games. Mm -hmm. Uh, the bigger story might be this though. Florida State's on the road against Miami next weekend. R.J. Bell from pregame.com. He says that Florida State might be an underdog, an underdog in that game against Miami. We're we're recording early today, so the lines aren't out quite yet. Mm -hmm. That will be an interesting story to follow. I don't know if I'm buying Miami as a team capable of knocking off Florida State. But Florida State hasn't always been that great on the road. They've had their spots. They haven't been that great at home in some spots, especially that game against Notre Dame. You know, to all the people who say we hate Florida State, we don't hate Florida State. We're, we're just not going to give them the national championship. They haven't right. been the same team this year as they were a year ago. It's not the same team. They're not blowing the doors off everybody like they did in 2013. So this Miami game, at Miami, again, as, as a little bit of an intrigue factor to it. That was, see, that's what you need to do. You need to lock up Florida State next week. <laughs> Ty, I don't take requests, my man. We've been friends for a long time. You can do this for me. If I were to give anybody a request, it would be you. But, you know, the soul wants what the soul wants. Or doesn't want. I don't know how to phrase it. Um, any other games that stood out to you nationally? I've, got, I've got nothing. Um, okay. Um, um, <sighs> Then I'm going to go through some games that are interesting to me. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. All right. So take off white clothes. Um, Clemson struggles with Wake Forest for the majority of that game. Cole Stout, obviously not the best quarterback on that roster. Deshaun Watson, they felt like they could survive another week without him as he heals from his injury. He is a very, very good quarterback and will continue to be for Clemson once fully healed. Memphis Friday night, Utah State Friday night, two nice wins. Memphis, Justin Fuente will be a head coach at somewhere really large before not too long. Um, Outside of that, SMU loses again with the scoring multiple touchdowns. Penn State, I almost feel bad for people that wake up Saturday morning and just like, well, yes, I had to watch Penn State's offense try to play football. That's a really defeatist fan base that probably some of which deserve better. Um, Wisconsin, you mentioned Malgore. Purdue actually has an actual quarterback. Austin Appleby, I'm intrigued by. And I think he could develop into something pretty special if they're able to build around him. Uh, Georgia, how the hell did Georgia lose to Florida? I don't, I don't get that one at we all. We will never know. A very nice road win against Kentucky. Yeah. Um, huge in the middle. Actually, just huge the first three quarters of that game. They were very good. Uh, Hudson Mason with a, a, a almost perfect day. Four touchdowns. Nick Chubb continuing his hot streak. They do get Todd Gurley back shortly. Duke, coastal implications, Ty. Yeah, the drink. All the way. The coastal implications drink the beverage Duke eight and one. Yeah, They're right there. They Good could for them. win the ACC, I guess uh, they take down Syracuse on the road, which is not an easy thing necessarily to do. Syracuse, a physical running team. Georgia tech drops 50 on NC state. 
an NC State team with but one victory under Dave Dorn in conference. Outside of that, we talked about Texas. We talked about AM. We talked about Kansas, which we like. The Mississippi schools played nobody. Wazoo with a nice win without Connor Halliday on the road against, granted, a pretty ugh, Oregon State team. I'm just going to make sounds as adjectives from yeah. now on. Okay. Um, it's like Vern Lundquist. Like Vern Lundquist. Uh, Boise State, New Mexico involved in a shootout down in the newest of Mexico's. Yeah. Hollow, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to even try to pronounce his name, but Kakaha for Washington, perhaps the best pure pass rush in college football. He gets hurt in a loss to UCLA, and Brett Hundley set some sort of record. Good to see UCLA play consistently well for straight weeks. Yeah. Um, Louisville has a safety, which we should mention. I'm looking it up right now just to make sure it's Gerard Holloman. Holloman. Uh, 13, 13 interceptions on the year, Ty. Not bad. Tying some sort of record. Not and bad. That's that's pretty decent. Louisville's quickly becoming safety U with Calvin Pryor last season playing the way he did. Um, Arizona coming back to beat Colorado. Colorado's frisky. They're going to get their, their Pac-12 first one sooner rather than later this year. Outside of that, next week looks fun. The week after that looks like garbage. Yeah. Hot, steaming garbage. But speaking of the opposite of garbage and speaking of fires. Yes. Pat Lee, yo. We brought it up at the top of the show because it was the most important game of the weekend. Ford Ham. Yeah, buddy. Ham. Ford up. Ham. 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 Uh, they they go nine to nine and one. They take the Pat League. They're ranked. They're going to the FCS playoffs. They take down Bucknell, who's struggled of late, but uh, that was the Super Bowl in Lewisburg, as most Super Bowls are. Uh, Lehigh, we liked them against the Crossaders, those clown frauds that are Holy Cross. But Holy Cross takes this one, moving to five hundred in the Pat League at home in the Cross Dome. And then we both agreed, Lafayette getting shut out in the first half, not a great sign, but. They go to Colgate, yeah. which they, they go and take down the Gators, 19-16. Was this the neutral site game in Stadium Azteca? This was the one in Azteca, okay. and it got very violent. Obviously, people know how big Colgate is yeah. down in Mexico de Efe. Right. But Lafayette, quite impressive. Now, you're going to Lafayette Lehigh. Lafayette Lehigh, yeah. You want to come I, along? I would love to. I don't. You're going with a bunch of Lehigh people, right? I'm going with Lehigh people, but I'm sure you could find a ticket. You could probably get a I, press credential for that. I could definitely get a press credential, which means I would have to work and sit in the press box and not sit with you. So if, if something comes along or if anybody listening to the show has an extra ticket, let me know. I'd be happy to pay... Many, Go. What are you gonna say? I would. I would pay many pesos, a, two to three dozens of dollars. Okay, for a ticket to this game. Um, I've actually never been to Yankee Stadium, so it'd be pretty fun for me. Uh, but I would definitely go to Lehigh Lafayette because that week is hot, steaming garbage. It looks like a bad week of games. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's pretty much everything I have to say about yeah, the Yeah, I got nothing else. Um, who's your top four right now? Wow. Top four right now, I go number one, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Sticking with them until they prove otherwise. Right. Number two, Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, this is combination of who you feel is best and who has the best resume. Right. I I'm say assuming. number three, let me give me Alabama. Mm, I'll take okay. Alabama. And number four, Oregon. Okay. I have, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going three Oregon for TCU though. Yeah. I like TCU a lot. And 
I do think that TCU somehow finds its way in there. Mm-hmm. I saw Clay Travis, our friend Clay, tweet something out, the possibility of putting both Baylor and TCU in the playoff. That is not a scenario that I think is likely. It's also right. not something I had heard earlier this season. However, as we see those two teams play, that is something that intrigues me. Right. I'm curious to see what Baylor does on December 6th against K-State. But The interesting thing to me about that, and it's similar to what we saw a couple of years ago with LSU Alabama, except it was a much more likable viewing experience. Sure. Um, when teams play head to head, like in the case of, you know, Oregon, Michigan state, Ohio state, um, Michigan state. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the non-conference games that we saw or some of the big games between these two teams where there is little doubt left. Yeah. Baylor beating, coming back and beating TCU in a huge shootout at home, 61, 58, there, that leaves doubt. <laughs> that was a, there, there's no like clear separation between Baylor and TCU. Would I want both teams to be in the playoff? Uh, not really. I really wouldn't want to. But and if Baylor wins out, you have you can't have TCU in the playoff and not Baylor. Yeah. You absolutely one hundred percent not. The only way is if they really struggle because they didn't play anybody in the non-conference. Whereas TCU at least played a, a an okay Minnesota team. At this point. I'm going to go, who should be higher? Let's play a quick game of who should be higher. Yes. Um, Ohio State with one loss coming off of a very nice win or Arizona State coming off of a nice win? Ohio State. I disagree. Okay. Um, although Ohio State going on the road is heads impressive. Up, heads up, Ohio State beats Arizona State. Um, Neutral site. Ohio maybe. State wins that game. We've still seen J- JT Barrett struggle when he gets the hell blitzed out of him like Virginia Tech did. True. That's um, true. That's a good point. I would say, let's see, the TCU or Alabama. Obviously, you feel like Alabama right now. Yeah, I'll go Alabama by a nose. Baylor, Ohio State. Baylor. Okay. Ohio State with the clear better non-con. Yeah. Cincinnati, oh, yeah. Navy, and... um. Who am I forgetting? <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're forgetting. We're talking True. about Baylor on the other side of the argument. True. Um, Nebraska, Arizona State. Arizona State. Okay. Kansas State, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. I agree. Ohio State, Michigan. No. Um, <laughs> I think that's everybody I'm actually curious about. I think we've about. done every possible scenario. And you're in your situation, Alabama over Oregon. Why? I like the conference better. I think it's stiffer competition from top to bottom than what Oregon's played thus far this season. Um, I don't feel supremely confident in Alabama. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their best win at this point is a two loss LSU, now three loss LSU team. Correct? I'm, okay, I'm okay with that. You are? Okay. I, I'm okay with that. I would favor Bama because I think SEC is better than Pac-12. Alabama hasn't played all the good teams in the SEC. Though. Not yet. Nor have they beaten them. Not yet. But I still favor Alabama. All I right. still favor Alabama there. That could change. They've each played a team that's presumably in the top 15. Alabama lost. Oregon won. You're talking about Michigan State? Michigan State. I'm not comparing Michigan State to... To Ole Miss? To Ole Miss, no. They're, they're two two-loss teams that appeared to be the class of their conference but a week ago. Let me rephrase. Okay. I'll take Ole Miss nine times out of ten over Michigan State. Wow. Okay. I watched that LSU game. I watched that offense. I'm just not a Pac-12 fan. I know you're not. I'm not a Pac-12 I fan. I don't think much of the Pac-12. I do like Oregon. Okay. I do like Oregon. 
I, I right. do like Oregon. I really do. And I'm rooting for Oregon for you. I should also point out I'm rooting against Oregon for you as well. But, that's fine. No, that's um, fine. But yeah, it's it's this is why it's going to be interesting now in November. I mean, you're taking you're taking games that Alabama hasn't played over games Oregon has. I'm comfortable with that. Okay, just making sure. That's all I'm here for. I'm comfortable with I'm that. Just verifying. You know, because you can you can make this argument solely about resume until you're blue in the face, but there are other factors that need to enter in, and I feel like the competition that Alabama's played thus far is still higher than the level of competition Oregon's played. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're struggling to beat Arkansas, oof, that's a toughie. Just saying, I like the SEC a lot more than I like the Pac-12, that's all. All right, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. Sure. We got hacked yesterday, by the way. Oh, we did, yeah. Right in the middle of the Notre Dame game, which was fitting. Oh, yeah, I, was, I felt so bad. I, was, I texted you, I was like, uh, Ty, people on Twitter are saying... Uh, and I was like, please. That was it. that was so fitting yesterday. Yeah, the sixth turnover for Notre Dame was the hacking of our website. But it's true. Can All I thank right. a few people? Please, please do. Love to thank Jeff Hagen, Hagen, Hagen. We'll call it Hagen. Hagen does. Uh, Gregory Gregory Gonzalez, uh, Jason Voss or Vass. What do you think that is? V a s s. You say Voss or Vass? Voss. Let's go Voss there. Uh, Taylor Holinsky, Ryan Resch, and of course, Ty, hit me with some galloping. We ride. We ride with Brandon McKissick. We ride with McKissick. Ooh. There you go. That's a new sound yeah. for all y'all. I like that. It makes right. me, I don't have to do this anymore. All right. That's a three-legged horse, mind you. How you doing energy-wise? I've made it to the end. I'm about to go eat some delicious ramen on a cold New York day. <laughs> Excited about it. You go eat your ramen. My name's Ty Hildenbrandt. His name is Dan Rubenstein. Thanks again for downloading right. the Solid Verbal. Hit us up at solidverbal at gmail.com. Look for us on Facebook, on FanCred, and on Twitter. And one more time, the Reverb Line, 408 Verbal, 1408 Verbal 1. Call us as the Week 12 games are going on next weekend. Let us know what's on your mind. We'll mix them up, put them together in our Reverbs segment dan this was a fun show we had a lot to talk about i would expect we'll have i just burped into my mic did you hear that um i think the noise gate caught that we should be oh, fine. okay good just making sure on that note for that guy <laughs> over there mr dan rubenstein for myself ty hildenbrand thanks again for tuning in we'll catch you all in a few days in the meantime stay solid peace